1: Sports Talk Mississippi Ah. on your radio and in the game right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Ah. Here we go. Tuesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Feels like a normal day. Everybody in place where they are supposed to be. I'm Richard Cross, sitting in my normal chair. Michael Borky is back in his chair. Well, he was yesterday, but I was out. We'll talk with Brian Haydad on the Farm Bureau phone line coming up in a little while. Brian Scott Rippey will be in the studio with me in Oxford a little bit later on. We'll chat with Ryan Brown from Jocks in Birmingham. Everything is as it should be. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com. Dot com Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, and you're in North Mississippi, whether you're a farmer or not, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land for a hundred years, ten decades. That's a long time. That means they know the land business, and they're fantastic people that are would be happy to help you as uh, as you go through whatever it is you need in uh, in land financing. MSLandBank.com, find a branch location, or grab the phone number and give them a call. So I'm sure you told some stories yesterday, Michael Borky,
3: but I wasn't here to hear them. And probably some new listeners today, so welcome home. Yeah, it's good to be home. We, we discovered that as a couple, we are a four-day vacation couple. Okay, Five is too many. We were ready right. to be home after four.
2: You know, the good part of that is that means you can you can kind of make a, a life of long weekends and it allows your vacation days to go a whole lot farther. Oh yeah. So you you can take off a Friday and a Monday, you know, fly out somewhere either late Wednesday night or early Thursday morning, have most of Thursday, all day Friday, all day Saturday, all day Sunday, come home on a Monday, go back to work on Tuesday. You've only extinguished two vacation days, and if you do it right, you can find one of those, you know, weekends where you get a Friday off or a Monday off anyway. You make those vacation days go a long way like that.
3: Yeah, that's the sweet spot. Otherwise, it was it was a great vacation. Uh, the island of Jamaica is an, an interesting place. Uh, it's like a tale of two cities. Yeah, but one of the cities is much larger than the other. Even, um, but beautiful place, beautiful country. It's a, it's a really mountainous island. I wasn't expecting that. I figured all coastal islands were relatively flat, but. When you were flying in, it was just, it was nothing but mountains. And cool. the airport there is, is right on the water. So you, you fly over the country a little bit and you're flying over mountains, you take a turn and then boom, land on the ocean.
4: And, and then take an cool.
3: hour and a half shuttle. I, I told Rippy this yesterday. I have never seen more bars in one place in my life. And not like the kind of bars that you're thinking, like when you go to Bourbon Street and there's a line of them. I mean,. The hour and a half drive from Montego Bay, we got picked up at the airport by this little van. It took an hour and a half to get to the resort. The entire drive was basically on the ocean. There weren't many beaches there. Oh, most of the beaches were man-made. It was rocks and water, really. The entire coastline that we drove on, anyway, was very rocky. But mm-hmm. we are basically on the water. So to our right is the ocean, and to our left is nothing but very small and and really relatively poor farm communities. It was nothing but farmland and ocean. But every probably eighth of a mile, and that's being conservative, Richard, right by the ocean there was a little shack and it was a rum bar. Every eighth of a mile, I mean, it was like Johnny's rum bar and whatever okay. the person's R- name rum was. Rum bar is two words. That's not like a uh, that's not like, um – the
2: the Jamaican dialect for the robot vacuum cleaner rum r u m yeah. bar v a r gotcha
3: yes a, a bar where their their focal alcohol was rum but I'm like every eighth of a mile was just a little wooden shack I mean nothing more than that but huh. I mean that's all there was it was a, a a farm to the left and a bar to the right almost the entire drive and as we found out the the drivers of these little shuttles have some kind of under the table deal. With these little wooden shack bars. (laughs) And each one of them stops at a certain bar halfway through your trip. And they don't force you to get out of the bus, but they encourage you to get off the bus to stretch your legs and have a drink before you get back on. And they finish shuttling you to where you need to go. Because at almost every bar, there was one of these shuttles stopped. Wow. But... I. How are the beaches? Mile. How are the beaches in Jamaica? Well, they were man-made. So so the sand was nice and white and stuff, but they weren't very big because they didn't have to be and uh, the water there there was there weren't much tides. I guess the little bay that we were in helped that, but I mean, it was it was it was a man-made beach that we were on because the entire coastline from Montego Bay to Negril where we were was was nothing but rocks. So when they built these resorts, they must have I'm I'm telling you, they must have cleared rocks out to build beaches because there weren't any anywhere around us.
2: Text on the Seaspire text line. You can be part of the show that way. 601 879 4395. 601 879 4395. Seaspire, customer inspired. Uh, this is uh, a 662 text. Completely agree that the bars are insane in Jamaica. The water, he says, or maybe she says, is the best part of Jamaica.
3: Yeah, the was, water's pretty? Oh, yeah. I mean, we did snorkeling one day. We got a couple of rainstorms that, that kind of cloudied the water a little bit. And I actually stepped on a sea urchin. More on that later. But um, when it was calm you know you could see when we were in the boats you could see 20 feet down and it was clear and it was beautiful and, and awesome how's that for a tease i actually stepped on a sea urchin more on that later <laughs> i will
2: uh, i will look forward to that um in the meantime monday night football last night and it was kind of a stinker it was a horrible football it, game if you're a saints fan all that mattered I, matters ultimately i suppose is that you get a win and the Saints did get a win, and they got a win not because of Drew Brees and the offense, they got a win because of the defense. And it's a defense that has been really good over the last, what, six weeks? And has gotten progressively better. It's hard to believe that this Saints defense, and I know they've added Eli Apple along the way and maybe another piece or two along the way, but it's the same Saints defense that gave up, what, like 45-48 on opening day to Tampa Bay? I mean, they were giving same group, up.
3: same year, yeah, same same team, and Eli Apple has been the only addition. And when they signed him, people uh, kind of rolled their eyes because he wasn't good in New York, and he's been the opposite of that lately. Had um, a pick last night and, and was just really good all around. He he had a on the Panthers' final drive with under a minute left. He made an, an incredible open field tackle that saved a first down and uh, forced the Panthers into a fourth down. And Cam Newton. I know he's injured, but yeah. I mean they need to shut him down. They're out of the playoffs. Say so they have a one percent chance of making the playoffs. They need to shut him down because he looked just horrendous last night. He's never really been that accurate, but last night was especially bad.
2: Yeah, and, and neither quarterback was great last night. Drew Brees, decent completion percentage, 23 of 35, but he threw for just 203 yards, no touchdowns, intercepted once, sacked twice. He had a QBR of 28.5 and a QB rating of 69.1. But Cam Newton's numbers in comparison, 16 of 29, so just barely better than 50%, 131 yards, no touchdowns. He was picked off once, sacked four times, QB rating of 20.1. QBR of 20.1 and a rating of 52.5. That's not good. The only touchdown pass in the game last night came from Christian McCaffrey on a trick play uh, in the game. And I listened to an interview on the radio with Cam Jordan after it was over. And Cam Jordan was good again last night. But he was talking about the fact that they gave up nine points. And he said, well, really the defense only gave up seven points. So, so seven points on the defense. But really... They they scored that touchdown on a trick play, so it's really almost like we gave up no points on <laughs> defense last night. And trick plays still count for, uh, for offense, but a pretty dominating performance by the defense. Camaro was okay, 14 carries, 67 yards, had a touchdown on the ground. Christian McCaffrey's just a really good player that does a lot of things. He had eight catches for 67 yards for Carolina, also ran it 15 times for 53 yards in the game, had the touchdown pass as well but Carolina is a bad football team. They've lost 6 in a row. They're now 6 and 8. On the other side, the Saints are in control. They are 1 win away from home field advantage throughout the playoffs. 12 and 2 overall, including 7 and 1 on the road this season. The only home loss was in the season opener, so they won what uh 5 in a row at home and their final 2 games of the regular season are in New Orleans.
3: Yeah, I just, I'm really concerned. W- with a few things, the offensive line suddenly is really banged up. They were playing guys like Will Clapp, who played at LSU, uh, was getting his first real game action of the season last night because uh, Armstead is still out. He'll be back soon, though, their left tackle. and Had a couple of guys go down last night. I think Max Unger got hurt, and, and he's their anchor in the middle of the offensive line, so that hurt. But the wide receivers' inability to, one, catch the football. They had the drops last night in the worst way. But they're not getting open. There's nobody open for Drew Brees to throw the football to. And guys like Keith Kirkwood, which it's a fun story, I guess. But they don't have anybody outside of Mike Thomas that's a threat right now. Traquan Smith has not developed like you thought. And suddenly they've got an issue on offense. It's injuries up front, but... Outside of Mike Thomas, there's nobody that's a threat in the passing game right now. And and wasn't there one touchdown run for the Saints that got called back on a penalty, a
2: holding penalty on Taysom Hill?
3: There was. Well, it wasn't a a touchdown, but it would have set up a touchdown. And then there was a fumble, Tommy Lee Lewis, on the way into the end zone. At the end, which he probably shouldn't have had the ball in that situation anyway. Yeah, that would have taken all the drama
2: out at the end, but the Saints' defense was good, and they get the win. Brian Haydad joins us next on the Farm Bureau phone line. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross. Michael Borke back back in the uh, the normal. Life thing, no more fairy tale honeymoons. He's just coming to work every day. And on the Farm Bureau phone line right now, check out favorites Go with the home team. Brian Haydad got to see Brian Saturday night uh, when I was in Starkville for uh, for basketball. I don't guess we've really had a chance to uh, to talk much since then. That was a good win for Mississippi State on uh, on Saturday night against Cincinnati.
0: Yeah, yeah, it really was. I, like I told uh, Michael yesterday, I thought the most impressive thing to me was how they won at Cincinnati's game. They were the team who came out and, and played well defensively, holding Cincinnati to 37% shooting. I thought that was very, very impressive win for Mississippi State.
2: Yeah, and I would actually take it a step farther than that because I don't think Cincinnati's a great offensive team. They, they don't shoot it real well from the perimeter. So I get what you're saying on the defensive front, and, and maybe this is just kind of, uh, again, taking it a step farther. The thing for me was I thought Mississippi State – was able to match Cincinnati's intensity and their physicality. Because yeah. Cincinnati is one of those teams that just has a reputation for just being physical and mean and nasty and scrappy. And I thought uh, I thought the Bulldogs matched that and may have really even kind of one-upped them in that category.
0: Yeah, they, they, they didn't back down from them at all. They they, they met that challenge head on. And, and, and um, you know, Ben Howland talked about that in postgame. He, he, he talked about how, you know, he told the team that whoever was tougher was going to win this game, and I agree yeah. with you. I think Mississippi State was the tougher team on Saturday night.
2: And I know we're a couple of days removed from this. I just I thought it was worth sharing. You know, I was there for both shootarounds, and at one point, Mick Cronin, who, by the way, one I think he's a really good basketball coach, and the way they kind of coach defense is really different than just about anybody else does it. But you want to talk about an intense dude. He, he's about five seven bald-headed, he was doing the Johnny Cash thing on on Saturday night where he was in all black, and at one point he just stops everything in the middle of practice, and he, he says, block out, you got to block out. And he goes crazy on a block out and says, this is not a walkthrough, this is practice, now do it again. They don't block out on the next play to his level of satisfaction, and he puts everybody on the baseline, and they start running sprints. So that happens, and then an hour and a half later, or an hour later, whatever, Mississippi State's practicing, and Ben Howland kind of loses it on his team about toughness and whether or not you want to win at home and whether or not you're going to bring it, and and then I, I guess it sunk in if that's what he was talking about after the game was over. Yeah.
0: That's interesting. I, You know, you, you hear stories like that about coaches who – I mean, I, I get intensity and I get, you know, wanting to be, you know, locked in. But, and running running baselines before a basketball game, I don't know that that's the, the best way to, to get to – Well, I mean,
2: it's not like they did it for 10 minutes. It was like a down-and-back, down-and-back, down-and-back type deal with the clock on, and, and then they just went right back to practice. So, I mean, yeah. it wasn't like a, we're going to run suicides for the remainder of our, our shooting time the, or anything the, like the that. It
0: fabled uh, – Ed Orgeron practice in the middle of the rain delay oh my kind of gosh. thing.
2: Yeah, no, no, it wasn't anything. Uh, wasn't anything quite like that. We'll we'll get to some more basketball stuff coming uh, a little bit later this afternoon. We'll take a look at some signing class stuff as the early signing period begins tomorrow. It is now the de facto national signing day, and a little bit of a uh, little bit of baseball coming up as well. We'll do that with uh, with Haydad and also with Rippey as the first preseason poll has come out. And I have talked to multiple Mississippi State fans today who have their dander up just a little bit about where the Bulldogs are in the collegiate baseball preseason top 40. I've actually got some thoughts on this particular poll um, that uh, that will lead you down the, uh, the road of just calm down, take a deep breath. Yeah. It doesn't matter what going. this particular poll says. We'll get to that coming up in a little bit. You're a Saints fan. What was your uh, what was your emotional state as you watched Monday Night Football last night against the Panthers?
0: A lot of anger early on, because, <laughs> Man, the Saints were just not getting it done and I I I got I had one of those moments where the wife looks at me and goes, you know they can't hear you, right? I'm like I I know, Oh, but,
3: oh, but they can't. I, I got to
0: get this out of my system one way or the other. So, um I thought that the New Orleans, you know, they played poorly offensively. Now, defensively, they played fantastic. And I know that Cam Newton is not playing his best right now, but I mean, that's an understatement. To, that's a, it's an understatement. But I'm be talking about, you know, they scored on a a fake punt. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, a, a trick play, uh, and then they get you know the, the two pointer interception. I mean, they didn't do anything offensively the whole game. Um, so I thought the Saints' defense, and and I heard you talking about this a minute ago. Their their turnaround. With a mid-season turnaround has been very, very impressive. I think they're
3: since week. What do you five, think the reason? Was...
0: About, I don't know. I, 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 that's a great question. Well, I don't know. the Certain answer. guys
3: in the secondary started playing to their capability. Marshawn Lattimore. Yeah, I mean, Lattimore.
0: The first few weeks wasn't yeah. playing great, and in the addition of Eli Apple. It, it's taken a few weeks, but you saw him last night. He was fantastic. Um, you know, Vaughn Sheldon Bell Rankin's was
3: excellent last night too.
0: Yeah, Ovon Bell had a great game. Sheldon Rankins on the defensive line, his emergence has been very big for the Saints. Uh, you know, it's given them that interior presence to go with what Cameron Jordan brings them on the outside. And then, you know, not, not a midseason move, but an off-season move. The, Demario Davis has become one of the best linebackers in the NFL. That guy is just everywhere. And, and I like Alex Anzoloni, too. That's a guy who's very interesting career. He was a five-star recruit, signed with Florida, and just could not be healthy down there. Never got it going for them. But he's got all the potential in the world and I think he's playing really, really well. Playoff picture at this point is not crystal clear, but it is
2: becoming a little more clear at least on the NFC side of things. Saints are a win away from clinching home field all the way through the NFC championship game. They're 12-2. and They have clinched the playoff berth. They have also clinched the division. The Rams, same boat. Playoff berth, division winner same thing for the Bears at ten and four they've clinched their division they have clinched a playoff berth a little bit different story in the NFC East as the Cowboys are leading the division at eight and six but they haven't clinched it yet you've got the Redskins at seven and seven and the Eagles at seven and seven the Giants with their loss last week are now mathematically eliminated wild card in the NFC Seahawks are in good shape at eight and six and and we kept Referencing it a few weeks ago, Russell Wilson kept telling us we're close, we're close, we're close. Well, it looks like they could be a playoff team. Vikings also, right now at seven six and one, would be a wild card team. The three teams that are kind of still mathematically alive in the hunt: the Eagles, the Redskins, and the Panthers. But let's be real: the Panthers are not, the Panthers are not in, the in the hunt. Not not with a one arm quarterback.
0: No. No. That, or at that, that, least a
2: one shouldered quarterback.
0: The the team I'm I'm watching here is the Eagles. Just because I mean, they're the Super Bowl champions, I know that you know they have talent. Uh, we'll see what happens with them at the quarterback position, but that's the team. If anybody's going to make a run here late, it's, I think it's going to be Philadelphia.
2: Altogether different story on the AFC side of things. Um, Chiefs are eleven and three, and they've clinched a playoff spot, but they have not yet won the division. They've got the Chargers also at eleven and three, uh, but don't have the tiebreaker right now. Texans lead the AFC south. they're at 10 and four, but you got the Colts and the Titans still in the mix, both at eight and six. Patriots lead the AFC East at nine and five, and the Steelers are eight, five and one leading the division, coming off a really big win at home against the Patriots. What do you think of that game on Sunday afternoon?
0: You know, I, I don't see it as a harbinger of what's to come for the Patriots. And to me, as long as Tom Brady is there, they're, they're the favorite in the AFC, no matter what. Even if he has to go on the road, uh, but it was a real, it was a win the Steelers absolutely, one hundred percent, had to have, and they went out there and got it. So to me, that that's that's good news for Pittsburgh. You know, Ben Roethlisberger. That guy is sort of underrated for a guy who's got a couple of Super Bowl wins. And he's, when you think about the great quarterbacks of this generation, I mean, where does he come up? He comes up behind Brady. He comes up behind Manning. He comes up behind he's got Brees two Super Bowl and Rodgers wins. probably. Yeah, and he's got two Super Bowl wins. You don't, But nobody ever thinks about him. And, and maybe just because the Steelers are historically so successful, you just expect them to be good. But that was a big win for Pittsburgh. They needed it, and they got it.
2: So currently, the two wild card teams in the AFC are the Chargers at eleven and three, and the Ravens at eight and six. But then you got the Colts at eight and six, the Titans at eight and six, the Dolphins at seven and seven, and the Browns still with an outside shot. Uh, What's the uh, what's the line? So Greg Williams now has more wins as a head coach with the Browns than Hugh Jackson had in three seasons. Yeah, that's and he's been the coach for half a year
0: coach for six games the Colts are the team nobody wants to see get into the playoffs they want the Colts see if you're in the AFC you don't want the Colts in the playoffs they are hot yeah, it right the now. Colts or the Titans I think it's the Colts I, because I like Luck more than I like Mariota so for me although you know the Titans are playing well don't get me wrong but right kind now they hit the you in the mouth matter. football team too they are they are they are but if you told me to pick between the two of them I'm, I'm always going to take the team with the better quarterback and that's Andrew Luck so uh, you know you
2: know who meets on the final weekend of the regular season?
0: I'm going to guess it's the Colts and the Titans.
2: That would be an accurate guess. Um, that, will probably by the be, way, that might be for a playoff
0: spot because R- I don't see the Ravens yeah. holding on. So,
2: R- Rippy's been telling us for uh, a couple of weeks now, he said, I'm just telling you how this scenario is going to play. The Titans are going to be uh, in the playoff mix. They're going to host the Colts. They're going to get drilled at home and be sitting on the outside looking in. That's uh, pessimistic Rippy. So, uh, so it's going be fun. Borky, what's your hot take on the playoff standings?
3: Oh, just I think that you are more likely to see a Bears-Texans Super Bowl than a Rams-Chiefs Super Bowl. Ooh, who would have believed that? What, a month ago? Yeah. That two of them the are difference. playing much better than the other two right now.
2: Well, yeah. I would agree with you. I would agree with you.
3: Alright, signing day coming up tomorrow.
2: Where does Mississippi State stand as we get close? That's coming up in the Renaissance Bank Studio.
0: Magnolia trees at night. Sparkling bright.
2: I don't know why. It's Maybe it's just because it's still relatively new. It's only year two. But a middle of December National Signing Day feels so anticlimactic in comparison to what we spent most of our lives being accustomed to, which was the first Wednesday in the month of February. I don't know if it's because there's so much else going on. So, so tomorrow National Signing Day, the 19th of December, six days away from Christmas, college basketball going on, bowl games going on, National championship just around the corner, NFL playoff chase heating up, and did I mention Christmas is six days away? I think I did. Am I? Cra- do, do you guys have that feeling also that it just feels different?
0: Well, it feels different because you, with January you have those big recruiting weekends, and so you get all that information coming out of them, and you don't have that now because – People take their visits during the season, and the season, you know, the games are what are taking precedence. So, you know, most of these guys have already made their official visits, and they're going to go ahead and, and and sign up. But it, it, it's just the the whole format of it is just different now, and it's going to take it's going to take it's going to take a long time to finally
3: get the same kind of uh, a feeling. I think.
2: Borky, do you have that that kind of?
3: It, it's just different. Yeah, and I'm with you for the reason. Because there's so many other things going on right now. If this happened to be in February, I think tomorrow would be a really big deal. And it not being the final one also plays into account. I, I don't think people really understand most classes are going to be basically done tomorrow. A lot of colleges are going to sign everybody tomorrow. There may be a few scattered around, but tomorrow's National Signing Day. Yeah, and wasn't the number that was floated around like ninety two percent? Ninety
2: two percent of the of the guys that are going to sign national letters of intent will do it tomorrow.
0: Yeah, yeah and most and the ones coaches that are known are the elite. Yeah, you know, yeah, the, the yeah, ones you're who, right they they can afford to wait because they have a spot waiting on them wherever they want to go. The five stars, the top fifty, top one hundred guys. The, the you know the average three star from the middle of you know, Missouri is signing tomorrow because he wants to make sure he has a place at the table.
2: Yeah, if you're in that kind of, yes, you have an offer, but you want to play the game, it is a risky game to play to not sign somewhere tomorrow. All right, so let's look at Mississippi State's uh, class. Yeah, Guys that are committed, who are expected to sign tomorrow. Three wide receivers. Uh, one from Louisiana. Keziah uh, Pruitt from Macon, Mississippi. Javante Payton from Sinatobia.
0: Payton is not expected uh, to sign tomorrow.
2: He is not expected to sign?
0: No. No, he's had some uh, some academic dealings that have pushed him back to a May graduation. So okay. wait a wait uh, until February. Which Two running backs. Honestly, from what I'm reading, Richard, he yeah. might not even be part of the class when it's done.
2: Okay. All right. Um, I just kind of let's see. This is the commitment list right now from Rivals. Um, right. Kareem Walker rivals? and Lee Weatherspoon. Say what now? Rivals, yeah. What's wrong with that?
0: Mississippi State doesn't have a rival site, man. I don't, I have never, I couldn't tell you the last time I was on there. It's like the the national maybe. rivals database, yeah. I'm just saying, like, I don't ever use rivals, so I'm, I'm, I'm just sort of, I'm we're, yeah, we're going I, it's just a commitment list. I mean, I'm not, yeah. you know,
2: making any comment on it one way or the other. Um, okay. All right, two running backs: Kareem Walker, yeah. Lee Witherspoon.
0: Yeah, Walker is an interesting one. He's a four-star kid out of high school, signed with Michigan, and uh, sort of the same path that you know Montez Sweat and Chauncey Rose's are taking. other Have gone to JUCO and now headed to Mississippi State.
2: Garrett Schrader is the quarterback in this class. We've talked about him some in the past. Six four, two hundred pounds. He's out of Charlotte. Quarterback of the future for Mississippi State, or at least the, that's the thought.
0: That's that's the thought coming into it. You know, assuming Justin Fields doesn't shock the world, yeah. Um, is there reason to believe that that's a possibility? He was committed to Penn State and Joe Moorhead uh, prior to his commitment to Georgia. Uh, I, I, th- I think you know, based on what I'm reading, it, it's a possibility. Is it a big one? I don't think it is, but we'll find out that that relationship is there.
2: So, Mississippi State is what, one of 100 schools? I mean, well, how I mean, many schools okay, let, are in?
0: The, every school other than Georgia will probably reach out to him.
2: Yeah. Uh, I, I guess we should probably pull it back to like the 65 power five schools or so yeah. and then probably uh, whittle that list down to about, oh, 25 or 30. Uh, it's it's, it's, it's uh, going gonna a, a uh, to
0: be a lot of recognizable names on that list.
2: Yeah. Um, offensive line. So, an area where yeah. Mississippi State needed to sign a bunch of guys and they've got a bunch of commitments.
0: Yeah. And the, the, Who's the headliner? Most, is it Charles Cross? Charles Cross. Charles Cross is definitely the headliner. Uh, he's had a he had a good week at the MSL All Star Game. Uh, possibly there were some rumors of him actually bumping the Kobe Dean as the top rated player in the state. Uh, I don't know if that's going to come to pass or not. You know, I think there's one more evaluation period left for, for some of these guys, um, but he's obviously the the headliner. You've got Brandon Cunningham, big kid off the coast. Uh, not, I don't think he's expected to sign tomorrow though, but I, I, he, he is expected to be part of the class. Uh, LaQuinston Sharp from EMCC, big offensive guard. State's had some success with the Juco offensive linemen. I think two of them may be starting next year in Tommy Champion and Tyree Phillips. Darius Washington, again, another guy who's not going to sign tomorrow. He's been committed since uh, June. Uh, his situation is this. He grew up a huge Florida State fan. He's going to ride it out and see what happens. I okay. think he, if he gets a Florida State offer, he probably won't be a part of this class, and then State would have to. Got gotcha. you. Go another way. Nick Penley will sign tomorrow. Big kid out of Georgia. Looking forward to seeing him in maroon and white. He's a, sort of a late addition to this class. And then uh, Brevin Jones. He's sort of the uh, the project in this class. I mean, he's listed at six foot four, two hundred and sixty pounds. Not a lot of offers, but he was a October uh, commitment. Which means that when you see a guy who doesn't have a lot of offers get a, a committable offer that early, that means that the coaches see something. That that's one of those guys you'll keep an eye on to be, you know, the next you know, diamond in the rough that Mississippi State's pulled out and turned into a turned into a star player. So, yes, six offensive linemen committed, and yeah. my guess is they would take another one if they could get one.
2: Two, um, two four-star defensive ends, and they've both been committed for a long time. Charles Moore out of Louisville, um, August of 2017 is yeah. when he committed. And then Nathan Pickering, out of seminary, also a four-star, and he committed in June of 2018. So these are guys yeah. that for a long time have said, I'm going to Starkville, and, and at least as best I know, have stuck to that.
0: They, they've stuck to their commitments, but they, neither one of them are signing tomorrow. Uh, they okay. will both take it into February. Uh, Pickering has made it clear that he's very committed to Mississippi State, but he would like to take his visits. He's, you know, he's going to enjoy the process. From what I can tell, there's no fear of anything on the Mississippi State side. Charles Moore sort of the same way a guy who's you know there there might be some you know drama would might might be the right word you know he'll take some visits but in the end they expect him in Starpole.
2: Why was I thinking about Aladdin when you said they're going to take their visits? I'm thinking I can show
0: you the world. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> let's you jump on a chance, magic man, carpet and see what we can see. The magic carpet takes you to Tuscaloosa.
2: Ooh, ooh, that's uh, that's scary. That's scary if that's yeah. where the magic carpet goes. Well, that's where Pickering, um,
0: Pickering will, will, will visit Alabama at some point. But
2: uh, Two defensive backs that are four-star guys as well. Uh, Gregory Brooks out of Marrero, Louisiana, and then Fred Peters. Fred is a Juco guy, right? Juco or guy no. out of
0: Jones County following yep. the footsteps of Jonathan Abram to Mississippi State. Brooks has a hat ceremony planned. He's been committed to Mississippi State since June, but Arkansas has been hard on him. He is going to do a you know a reveal. Uh, the people I read say they expect Mississippi State, but when, when the hats are on the table, you just don't ever know sometimes.
2: So he's going to have hats on the table for what, Mississippi State, Arkansas, Georgia Tech?
0: No? I think Maybe? I saw Southern Miss on there, I believe. Kansas? Yeah, uh, he, had, he, had, he released a top five just the other day.
2: Okay, gotcha. Well, we'll, uh, we'll be watching out for that uh, as well. Anything I'm missing in this class? Uh, anything you expect to maybe go off script tomorrow?
0: No, the only uh, signing day announcement, Mississippi State is really locked in on is Gulfport linebacker Derek Hall. Uh, he will pick between State, Auburn, and Ole Miss. Uh, nobody has a really good feel uh, for where he goes, the MSU people think state's still in it. The Ole Miss people think it's going to be Ole Miss. The Auburn people think it's going to be Auburn. So it's just one of those things. Sort of like Kelly Bryant just a few weeks ago. Nobody has a really good feel, and we'll find out when the kid makes his uh, his announcement tomorrow.
2: As far as needs go, um, is Mississippi State taking care of its biggest needs?
0: I think so. I mean, they need an offensive lineman just from a depth perspective more than anything else. So adding six guys to that list was very, very big for them. Uh, they need a, a another wide receiver. Uh, I think they were sort of hoping Peyton could be that guy. Uh, but if he's not, they may have to go into January and try to find one more uh, wide receiver. They had to get some depth at running back. They got two running backs coming in and Walker and Witherspoon. I like that. And then Schrader, you know, that's the guy who was targeted by Moorhead when he was at Penn State. He popped up on MSU's radar almost immediately uh, when uh, Moorhead was hired, and and has been committed basically since what since April third. So uh, I think state yeah I think state did a good job of, of filling needs, but there's some star power in this class too. So it, it looks good on paper, but it will also look good, I think, on the field in the years to come.
2: From an SEC standpoint, 24/7 Sports composite rankings have Alabama with the number one overall class, two five stars, 21 four stars committed at this point. Then you got Georgia. Texas A&M, LSU, and Auburn in the top five. Tennessee at six. Then you got Mississippi State with 23 commitments, according again to 24/7. At number seven, Ole Miss is at nine currently with 27 commitments. So we'll see how all of that shakes out over the next couple of days.
4: Hang all the
2: Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Tuesday afternoon. Brought to you by Mississippi Land Bank, online at mslandbank.com, where they know the lay of land. On a pretty regular basis, we visit with Ryan Brown from Jocks in Birmingham. He's on your radio right now on the Farm Bureau phone line. Ryan, you got all your Christmas shopping done?
1: You getting close? Uh, that's a no. You know, my wife handled everything for me except for what I get her. Okay. And she um, uh, she bought something on Black Friday. She found something she wanted, so she went down and she said, that's it, you don't have to give me anything else. Uh, I don't want you to give me anything. This is enough. So you know what that means, right? Sure. Yeah, get her something. There needs to be something there, so i got to figure out what to get. But, get I, but I don't have to get the big one. She took care of the big one herself.
2: There you go. Jane is consistently like that. She's like, please don't get me anything for Christmas. And I always do because I don't want to be that guy that on Christmas morning didn't get his wife something. But I do think she sincerely means, no, I'm good, don't get me anything. Maybe I'm just not good at listening.
1: Well, you know, the big gift my wife, Um, we've got a daughter that's 14 and another one that's about to turn five uh, this week. And my fourteen year old's on the dance team at school and, and all that and she just wants to take pictures. So she found this camera on Black Friday that was normally really expensive and it still wasn't cheap, but it was much less expensive on Black Friday and she said, Hey I'm gonna go buy that. That's gonna be my Christmas gift. I don't want anything else. So that's kinda where we are. Um, so I probably need a few things in the stocking, but as far as the big gift goes, I think I'm in the clear, and she's used the camera, and has really enjoyed it so far. So, I mean, it really was a great Christmas gift. I just had absolutely nothing to do with it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you you had your attention focused elsewhere on Black Friday?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I was getting ready for the Iron Bowl. I was watching, you know, uh, the night she bought it, I was watching the Egg Bowl. So... You know that was uh, I had very little to do with that. I was I was uh, the only thing I did was go earn the money she spent. So I guess that that was my contribution.
2: There you go, there you go, Ryan Brown from Jocks on your radio. It's uh, Sports Talk Mississippi. So there's this been th- this little story that's been floating around, and I don't know that anybody really believes it, but it's the story that potentially Nick Saban could make another run at the NFL, and I'm sure there are Alabama fans that have some level of angst about that, but. If you take it a step farther, let's just play this year out and have Alabama winning another national championship, and there is no debate at that point that Nick Saban is the greatest college football coach of all time, and he has surpassed everything that Bear Bryant has done, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Is there a scenario where the NFL, because of that failed experiment a few years ago, would carry some interest for Nick Saban?
1: You know, um, I guess potentially... um here's the thing that Nick Saban did not like about the NFL is, number one, he really gets a kick out of player development. He gets a kick out of taking a kid out of high school that might be a five-star and he'll find a bunch of home tomorrow. But getting them on campus and breaking them down from five-star to freshman, get them back to being a freshman, and then building them back up and getting them ready for the NFL, he really that's what drives them. I mean, winning is great, obviously, and he's very good at that. The recruiting is good, but if you talk to people at that him that's what really drives him is the teaching, which kind of was taken out of his hands. It would have been in the NFL. I mean, there was some of that, but not nearly to the extent you get it in the college game. And the other thing he didn't like uh, was and he was the coach of the Dolphins. I'm a lifelong Dolphins fan, and and frankly, you know, if you look back, he didn't do that bad of a job. Nine and seven, six and ten, you know, it wasn't awful. The six and ten kind of faded late, but you know, he had players that had it in their contract that they did not have to do conditioning. And even taunted him, you know, during conditioning, like, yeah, Nick, I ain't got to do it, man. You know, it's on my contract. (laughs) And you can imagine how well that went over with a control freak like Nick Saban and a guy that's driven like him, and it just wasn't, you know, he just didn't like that aspect of it. And I really think the collegiate aspect appeals to him far more than anything the NFL could offer. So... I think you'd have to weigh it on how much uh, uh, importance is it for him to feed the ego of I can do it at both levels versus I really like the aspects of one level, so I'm going to forego that and just try to feed my ego and prove that I can do it at both levels. So I, 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 would, I honestly think the the aspect of the comfort level of the teaching and all that would, would win out over the ego. I don't, I don't think he'll ever coach the NFL again. Here's what I've said, though. If I were him and I was going to do it, I would not do it unless I was taking over a franchise with a quarterback that had already won a Super Bowl. I I wouldn't even roll the dice on have have I got enough good enough quarterback to win a Super Bowl, a Baker Mayfield, a Matt Ryan, any of those guys. Mm -hmm. I would only take over a franchise with a quarterback that had won a Super Bowl. And obviously there's going to be one of those open with with Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. That's the only way I would ever do it. Yeah,
2: I guess it's a little hard to run a legitimate dictatorship in the NFL than it is in college.
1: Oh, gotcha! Yes. And I think that's what, that's what he didn't like. You know, Belichick, he and Belichick are so much cut out of the same mold. It is fascinating that Belichick has been able to thrive and succeed doing it while Saban was miserable doing it. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if maybe, maybe he thinks he can emulate more of what Belichick has done. They are very close. And as I said, you know, those guys came up under Parcells. They're cut out of the same mold. So, in a lot of ways, they're the same guy. But it's just funny that one of them is – been able to thrive at the pro level, and the other ones has been
2: able to thrive at the college level. Ryan Brown on your radio talking some uh, some Alabama, a little Auburn as well. So, so three weeks ago, everybody's reporting that, um, I say everybody, there were reports out there uh, that Gus Malzahn was having to renegotiate his contract, that his buyout was going to be lessened in order for him to stay on, that there were legitimately boosters who were trying to raise the money or were willing to write the check to get him out if they got the right guy. And now you've got the the, the statement from, from Alan Green, the AD, and Gus goes to the podium the other day and says, nothing ever changed about my contract. I was never asked about it. I, I've heard reporters that cover Auburn say that that's just a lie. That stuff was real. So what is the truth with regard to Gus from three weeks ago to now?
1: You know, what was interesting was the the – Shayman Allen Green, the athletics director, released first of all kind of broke his long silence. He had been really silent about the whole deal. It's been kind of absentee, and it caught a lot of
2: criticism
1: from Auburn fans of and some of the media of kind of being an absentee athletics director in all of this. And when he finally released the statement, if you go read it, he didn't make a real strong statement. He had the opportunity in that statement to say, there have been reports, and none of it is true. Gus Malvon is our head coach. We're disappointed with the season, but we're not committed to Gus Malvon being our head coach. And he didn't do that. He basically just said there has been a lot of speculation that hasn't been beneficial to our program, which is true. That was true, but it's, uh, it's not exactly denying any of the speculation or any of the rumors. Now, Gus Malvon came out obviously much stronger and said, I haven't changed anything about contracts. The guys that reported it, uh, Brandon Marcello, who I know people in your state are familiar with, they might be less familiar with Philip Marshall, who was really the lead reporter in it. Philip has covered Auburn for decades. I mean, this guy, he's as connected with Auburn as anybody. And I think worst-case scenario for them, they probably got played by, this is the worst case, I'm not saying this is what happened, but they probably, worst case, would have gotten played by a group of boosters that had an ulterior motive that might have been Powerful boosters in the past, and they're less powerful now, or they could have gotten it right. And Gus Malzahn is just deflecting, or lying, or whatever you want to call it. I don't know, but you know, I'll be interested to see what their next move is because I think Brandon and Phillips kind of have to come out and address this now that they've written the article and the head coach has said they're incorrect. They've either got to double down on their sources or say, you know, hey, my sources got it wrong.
2: It's an interesting dynamic. It's not one that seems to me like it's going to be any more comfortable next year, though. No, no,
1: no, no, no. You know, look Auburn, they lose a lot. Primarily at quarterback. Not that Jared Stidham was great this year, but the options aren't great. Um, you got Malik Willis, who's there, who they had very little faith in. Anytime they brought him in, he pretty much handed off. They didn't. Yeah, they don't trust him to throw the ball. No, they don't trust him to throw the ball. One of the few passes he actually threw was in a fake punt in the Iron Bowl, where they threw it to the kicker under the sticks, and he got plowed. Short of the first down it was a terrible fake, fake field goal, but he did throw it there. Um, yeah, but I mean, all he's really done is hand off. Uh, I, I know Ole Miss fans saw so, him in mean, the uh, Ole Miss I've not played in the state game very much, if at all. And really, all he did was handoff. Or there's a hot freshman here. He's going to sign tomorrow, a kid named Bo Nix. His dad, a lot of your listeners might remember Patrick Nix that played at over mm-hmm. back he's in the Just won a state championship, now, like, didn't he? Yeah, they just won back to back. Yeah, his dad's the coach at Pinson, uh Valley, and uh, they've got a really good team. And Bo's had an exceptional career, record breaking career. And a lot of people think he'll be the starter next year, as a true freshman. And Auburn opens with Oregon, and it's a pretty tough schedule. I mean, it is not an easy schedule. So, no, none of this is going to go away next year. Gus Melvine is still going to be squarely squarely on the hot seat. And and I'll say this, too. You know, they were in the Kelly Bryant three states, Auburn was. And a lot of Auburn fans, at least to us, said, you know, they would prefer Auburn to start Bo Nix, even if it ain't going eight and four. Versus Kelly Bryant going nine or ten wins, only because at least it's not a rental guy. At least you're building for the future.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you get something out of that instead of just one and done. Uh, yeah, exactly. to be interesting yeah, I think to that's see. What they were hoping. Yeah. Yeah, and you know the fascinating part. We're basically out of time. Is there's some pieces that they should be better Auburn at wide receiver next year because they got a couple of guys coming back that missed the entire year.
1: Yeah, and their best receiver this you're a freshman, Seth Wood, out have got a cocktail. So, yeah, right. I mean, they should definitely be better at receiver.
2: Always fascinating times on the planes as it too, uh, relates to those boosters and whatever the power structure is and everything else. Ryan, always appreciate your time. Merry Christmas to you and your family.
1: Hey, you too, Richard. Thanks, and congratulations to Borky. I know he's an honest man now.
2: He is. He is. Says they had a good time, but he was ready to get back to work, so we'll take it. That's that's Ryan Brown on the uh, Farm Bureau phone line. (laughs) Absolutely. More coming up with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Always enjoy our conversations with Ryan Brown. Interesting stuff on the planes. Uh, with regard to Gus Malzahn, and I don't think Brian Brian I don't think Ryan was avoiding the question with regard to what the truth actually was. Just pointed out that uh, a couple of the guys that that reported the stuff about Gus and the boosters were people that had been doing it a long time and were pretty well connected. And so either they were wrong and they got played by their sources, or they were right and Auburn's just lying to everybody. Um, could it be somewhere in the middle? That's usually where the truth lies. Seems like it. That there was legitimately some stuff going on behind the scenes to potentially oust Gus on, but from an administrative standpoint, maybe it never got as far as people wanted to believe it got?
3: I don't know. I mean, it's really tough to... Give a almost forty million dollar contract and twelve months later rip it up. I mean I don't care if you've got a booster telling you you've got that kind of money and you're able to pull the trigger i that seems just irrecoverable to me yeah well, and to me that
2: that's you know outside of Auburn winning ten next year it it feels like it's the end of the road I mean d- when you have this much junk going on in the offseason, it's like you can never really recover from it. I guess if Auburn went out and won their bowl game, got some guys healthy, had Bo Nix as the starter, and they went out and won nine and looked impressive doing it next year, then maybe that gets Gus another year, and then they have one of those years where they win 10 or 11 and they compete for the West, and then what do they do? They give him an extension again. <laughs> It's strange how things work at uh, at Auburn. There's certainly a great deal of passion, and uh, the folks that have got the resources uh, for Auburn seem to be willing to uh, to use them. Glad to have you along. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Are you a farmer with equipment needs? Well, Mississippi Land Bank, if you're in North Mississippi, may be exactly what you're looking for. Whether it's buying new equipment, refinancing an existing loan, dealing with crop loans, or uh, maybe you're buying a new piece of property to add to the uh, the farm, add to what you're farming. Well, Mississippi Land Bank can help with that. They've been financing land for over, well, I guess right at 100 years. They know the land financing business inside and out. They understand farming. Many of the people that work at Mississippi Land Bank maybe grew up farming or uh, have been around farming their entire life. So it's um, it, it's something that they know. It's not a foreign concept. It's not just your typical bankers pushing uh, papers through the file to get to the next file. That's not how it works at Mississippi Land Bank. It's relationships, it's good people, uh, it's people who care about you doing well uh, and they've done quite well as a result. You can find a branch location online at mslandbank.com They're scattered all throughout North Mississippi or you can just grab the phone number and give them a call and talk to them about what it is that you need at Mississippi Land Bank. They know the lay of the land. Brian Scott Rippy joins us this afternoon. Tomorrow, as we talked about with hey Dad just a little while ago, National Signing Day. Technically the start of the early signing period, but for all practical purposes, it is National Signing Day. You had the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game last night. As it pertains to Ole Miss, the name that continues to pop up that everybody is most interested in is that of N'Kobe Dean. The linebacker from Horn Lake won a state championship Played well in that game last night, and at one point threw up the fin, the land shark, whatever.
4: And people went crazy. It didn't mean anything. I don't know how you can gauge what that means. I mean, it it was certainly interesting, but trying to get in the head of an 18-year-old kid trying to decide where he's going to college is... It's tough in and in its own right, and I think judging it by a sign he throws in an All Star game is probably shaky at best. Yeah, don't don't spend too much time on that. Um,
2: don't most people think that Nicobe Dean's going to Georgia? Yeah, I mean you would think so. Well, as so we talked to uh, Steve Wiltfong last week from twenty four seven. He's their national recruiting guy. Uh, I think he said that he had predicted that he was going to LSU. So, you got Georgia in the mix, you got LSU in the mix, you got Alabama in the mix, you got Ole Miss in the mix. So, we'll see. That certainly would be a big deal for Ole Miss at a position of need. What do you expect tomorrow to look
4: like for Ole Miss? How does it play out? It's hard to anticipate, right? Because it could go so many different ways. I was talking to Borky about this earlier in the day, right? Like, you could have, you know, Broker and Tisdale you know, stick and sign, and or you could have them go elsewhere, or Tisdale choose not to sign, whatever it may be. There's just so many. There's like it felt like Grant Tisdale, who you're talking about, the quarterback from Allen, Texas. Yes, it 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 feels like there's much more unknown, um, which I guess can be good and bad. Generally, it's it's not the greatest. Like you would prefer to probably have a pretty stress-free signing day, knowing who you have and knowing kind of what you're getting, and so. I don't know. There's a lot of different ways this could play out with what? I mean, there's six, seven different guys probably that they're hoping to either keep or flip that you just don't quite know until it happens. Commitment list, four wide receivers. Um, Three of the
2: four are Mississippi guys. Jordan Jernigan from Tupelo, Dennis Jackson, a four-star receiver from Summerall, uh, Jonathan Mingo, a four-star wide receiver from Brandon, and then uh, Jaden Jackson from Bentonville, Arkansas. One running back in the class, uh, jared connor who played in the mississippi alabama all-star game and played well in that game last night had a
4: long touchdown run right i believe so and that's an important kid for them to get right because you don't have much depth behind scotty phillips you have you know sweeney who's kind of gone through a couple leg injuries and then you have blue peniman who you don't really know what you're going to get right because he never really recovered from the injury suffered at the end of 2017 that couldn't get on the field last year Cut back to practice towards the end of the year but you'd like to To pad some depth there at running back, because you know when, if you remember when Phillips went down towards the end of the year, it's kind of like where do you go outside of obviously Isaiah Woolard, but you'd like to have another reliable guy there. Grant Tisdale
2: falls into the dual threat quarterback classification, uh, four star player out of Allen, Texas. Uh, I don't know if they won, if they played their state championship games. I think in a semifinal or maybe it was a quarterfinal game had a big game a week or two ago. Uh, kind of lost track with uh, Texas high school football there, um, and then Kincaid Dent, who is the more local product, the uh, the quarterback out of uh, out of Jackson. Offensive line—it's an area where Ole Miss needed to add some guys, and they've got what seven, eight offensive line commitments. Uh, you mentioned Nick Broker a second ago, six-five, two hundred ninety pounds, out of Springfield, Illinois. Is there concern that Broker may be looking elsewhere?
4: I think it'd be Ohio State, right? Like I think it's, it's, it's. You're hoping he sticks and kind of, kind of, you know, shakes off Ohio State and sticks with Ole Miss. I think that would be the main place you would be concerned with him going elsewhere.
2: What about on the defensive side of the ball? Three linebackers committed: Ashante Sistrunk out of Louisville, uh, Samuel Williams out of Boonville, and then Eric Jeffries out of Oxford. Any, any thought at this point? Uh, I know more of a defensive back than a linebacker, but Brandon Turnage, who's been um, from Lafayette High School, committed to Alabama for a while. I know Ole Miss certainly has made a run at him. Is there any reason to believe
4: or hope for Ole Miss that, that he commits? Well, at the beginning of this, when we were talking about the six or seven guys that you know you're kind of looking at to flip to turn a you know good day into greater, an average day into good, and something like that, he's definitely one of them. I, I you know, as, as someone that's not you know just Right in the middle of of all the recruiting hype, I, it doesn't seem likely from you know everything that's been written and everything that I've read. It, it doesn't seem very likely because yeah, he's been like you said committed to Alabama for a while and hasn't seemingly hasn't wavered. Yeah, uh,
2: Jerry and Ely is a, an interesting guy in this class. Jackson Prep running back, really good running back, is not going to sign tomorrow. Period. Not going to sign anywhere until February, and most people look at him and go it doesn't really matter where he signs he's going to be drafted in the first round and is going to go play professional baseball
4: i feel like that's something you don't necessarily know until the moment when you know they flash that amount of money in your face or whatever it is when sure. you get drafted but you know there's some people that are in the line of thinking that he doesn't necessarily want to commit to one sport yet and come to a place where he can play both and you know kind of field this thing out as, as to what his future is so there's probably some hope there but yes i think the general consensus amongst most people is that he's probably going to play professional baseball you know there's there's a point where it doesn't make sense to turn down the money right i
2: mean if you're a top really a first round pick but especially a top 15 pick you're looking at five million dollars plus to go play pro ball out of high school and that just it starts the clock on everything and it probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense otherwise. Outside of that, the statistics have gotten to the point where they bear out that college baseball is a faster route to getting to the big leagues than signing out of high school and playing through the minor
4: league system. Like you said, once you get outside of the you know, the 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 five, four, three million dollar slot slots in the draft there's just so much unknown and you polish so many more skills through your 19 20 21 age of college in three years so yeah i would definitely agree but at a certain point five million dollars is a lot of money it certainly
2: is a lot of money and uh not everybody gets to go the kyler murray route either where
0: uh
4: you know
2: you go play football win a heisman trophy got five million in the bank etc it's not a bad way to go about it having five million dollars in college would be pretty sweet that would make you a big man on campus, right? To go along with the Heisman Trophy? Sports Talk Mississippi. Joining any
4: reindeer game.
2: Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, Christmas streaming Christmas at Supertalk.fm, Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Scott Rippy, Brian Haydad was with us earlier this afternoon. We are glad to have you along for the ride. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, you can find them at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Are you looking for a piece of hunting property? Maybe a place to fish where nobody else can mess mess with your little honey hole? Well... If you are, then uh, Mississippi Land Bank may be the place for you because they finance land. It's what they do. Maybe you're going to build a dream house. Maybe you're going to put a cabin, build a shop, uh, buy a tractor. Whatever it is as it pertains to land and land financing, Mississippi Land Bank is there. They've been financing land and all that goes along with it for 100 years. They've got branch locations all across North Mississippi, and uh, they are fantastic people. So I would encourage you to check them out. Right now, it's time for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to BuyFordNow.com. There you can find out why the best-selling trucks, but you can also find out about the year-end savings event that's going on. Great deals, including 0% financing on uh, on a bunch of the models that they've got. And uh, you can take advantage of that between now and the year. But hurry, because if you're looking for a 2018 model, one of those great deals... Well, time's running out because people are buying them. And they're buying them quickly because they're great deals to be had. So don't wait any longer. Check out your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Well, did you see this one coming? Justin Fields likely to transfer. Conflicting reports. I think it was Dan Wolkin at USA Today yesterday that uh, initially reported that uh, Fields had let the university know. university kind of denied that they knew. Uh, there was a report today from ESPN that says he is going to transfer and now officially listed in the NCAA transfer portal is Justin Fields. Freshman quarterback from Georgia, number one recruit last year in the 2018 class, Came to Georgia despite everybody looking at that and going, hold on a second. How are you going to play? You're really, really, really good. And almost everybody in America would like to have you on their roster. But the place you have chosen to go to school just played in a national championship game and had a freshman quarterback lead them to that game. Why does it make sense for you to go there? Justin Fields played sporadically this year. When he was in the game, he threw it at a Had a pretty high clip. He ran the ball well. There's no questioning the talent of Justin Fields. But he is going to transfer. Sources have told ESPN that Fields might consider Florida State, Ohio State, and Oklahoma if he decides to leave. Mississippi State has been referenced, though I don't know if he's been referenced by anybody close to Justin Fields. We were talking with Brian Haydad earlier this afternoon about the fact that Kind of came down to Georgia and Penn State a couple of years ago uh, at a time at which Joe Moorhead was the offensive coordinator at Penn State. Does this
3: surprise anyone? No. I See, I don't think him transferring a – it is a story. I don't think it's the story because dating back to 2010, at least one top-two quarterback in the country has transferred somewhere. So it's – like you said, it's not a surprise because Jake Fromm was already there it is a story just because it has to be, but I think the story is what they're going to do to get him immediately eligible. Because the name that everybody here knows, Tom Mars, is now his attorney. They are going to find a way to apply... Like you didn't see that coming, by the way. Of course. W- what, what, but, but let me tap the brakes, and, and let me tell you why you should
2: have seen that coming. Maybe you read the story from Dan Wolkin yesterday. In Dan Walken's story... There was already already a reference to a potential idea that Fields and his representation might use the racially charged incident back in September as a way to become eligible immediately because of the NCAA's new transfer rules. And then Wolkin going back and forth on Twitter, and he said, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it's really, really close. Things could change. People change their mind. But I've got the goods on this one.
3: Well, I mean, I mean he's doing Tom Mars's secretary
1: If work, you
2: don't have the ability to connect the dots there, I can't help you. Tom Mars is feeding him what they're going to do and what their strategy is. And he went ahead and got it out there early. And everybody is already writing that, well, the, there's no way the NCAA can't. Clear this. That's not something the NCAA wants to wants to deal with. I'm sorry, Bork. Yeah, I kind of derailed where you were going with that. Well, but but that's where I was going.
3: Is that that's that's going to be the strategy? Is they're going to paint that incident? Which correct me if I'm wrong on the details. a, A Georgia baseball player in the student section was yelling to put Justin Fields in, but using a word that you don't use to describe. An African American, and they're going to use that to get him, or try to get him immediate eligibility. This is the same Tom Mars who, before the player ended up having a video of him using racist remarks released, tried to take down Texas A and M with NCAA violations to get a player immediately eligible at Arizona. So. Georgia might have a mess on their hands. Maybe they'll work with the NCAA and try to get him eligible immediately to avoid it. But right now, you have a quarterback, the number one quarterback in the country, that's going to transfer away from Georgia, that now has an attorney for some reason, that is going to argue that Georgia has an atmosphere that is not safe for an African-American football player because of a racially charged incident, and he should be immediately eligible somewhere else. That's the story. Not that he's leaving. That this attorney is going to try to charge Georgia with that kind of allegation to get this player eligible immediately somewhere else. Well, and it's going to work. I mean, Justin Fields
2: is going to have the ability to transfer, and he's not going to have to sit out a year. Which is awfully convenient for a guy who knew exactly what he was getting into when he chose to go to the University of Georgia so so I think there are two things in play here that are worth being said out loud and, and don't miss what I just said, he's going to get approved no question he's going to get improved so we'll just wait and see where Justin Fields is competing for the starting quarterback job next year because he's going to have a chance to do that next season somewhere The two things I think that are in play is, one, just go ahead and lift whatever transfer restrictions are there because it's a joke at this point. And if a kid wants to transfer, then all he's going to do is call Tom Mars, and Tom Mars is going to find some way to make that happen. I'm still not entirely sure what Tom Mars' endgame is. I think he wants to be
3: an agent. That's just me.
2: that, That kind of feels where it's headed. Or make money. But who's he making money from? I mean, are, are these kids' families paying him thousands and thousands of dollars? But he's get? not doing it pro bono. Well,
4: no, he's probably not, but I don't know. Maybe so. To me, I mean, there may be a larger end game here, but to me he saw an opportunity to where he felt like, I don't know if it's like, pre- I mean, in some ways it's preying on them, right? Like you don't have to have a lawyer to transfer.
2: No, you don't, but, I mean, probably take some of the work out of it. Um you know, I mean, I don't know. Was Tom Mars spend 50 billable hours getting a case ready for an NCAA transfer at 500 bucks an hour? Is he making twenty five grand a pop on this? Maybe some can afford to pay that. Maybe their other way. I don't know. I don't know what that number is. But that's not really beside the point. So I would just say that number one, just drop the transfer rules. I mean, just make it open season. Because if a kid wants to transfer, they're going to be able to transfer and more and more and more you are seeing kids not have to sit out for a year. That's number one. Number two, the idea that Justin Fields is going to be able to transfer because of the idea that he feels unsafe at Georgia. Because one white student athlete who is now a former baseball player used the N-word inside 92,000-seat Sanford Stadium Probably intoxicated Maybe not I'm just kind of making a jump there
3: And he was subsequently Like you said Immediately kicked out of school I mean Georgia wasted no time He was kicked off the baseball team Right Same difference So That
2: makes it an unsafe environment Come on now Here's a news flash for you There are people at the University of Georgia That are racist There are people at Ole Miss That are racist There are people at Mississippi State That are racist All right, now hold on just a second, though. Hold on, Richard, hold on. No, 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 I'm not done. There are people at the University of Michigan that are racist. Penn State, racist. Ohio State, racist. Harvard, racist. You find me a university with more than about three enrolled public, private, Christian, secular, Catholic, And I'll find you a place that has racists. They are everywhere. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Glad to have you along. Jerry in Brookhaven asked, did he burn his red shirt at Georgia? Talking about Justin Fields. I wouldn't call it burning his red shirt. I mean, there there are some, like the the kid at Auburn, Asa Martin, they burned his red shirt. And they, they did so carelessly. Justin Fields played in 11 of Georgia's 13 games. So I wouldn't call that burning a red shirt. But yes, he did use a year of eligibility, and that's why, frankly, he just doesn't want to sit. I mean, Justin Fields could transfer and could sit out a year without losing a year of eligibility because he's got a red shirt year and then would have three years. But when you're the number one player in the country coming out of high school, your expectation is to be in the NFL three years later. Whether it's right or wrong, that's your expectation. That's Justin Fields' expectation. And he doesn't want to sit out a year. They're looking at his freshman year as a wasted year. And so that's why he wants to become immediately eligible. He wants to go somewhere where he can compete for and likely win the starting job next season. We'll see if that happens. Nathan on Twitter you say uh you got people hot now Richard but you aren't wrong. I Look I, What I said as we were going to the break a second ago. Not a hot take at all. Or at least I don't what I didn't intend for it to be a hot take. I've just grown weary, weary of the idea that Mississippi is the only place that's racist. The Deep South, is that's where racists exist. First of all, people love to throw out the term racist at the drop of a hat. I'm be careful how I say this, because I don't want you to take it the wrong way. But I think human nature makes it hard for even people who are the most progressive that are out there not to have some racial tendencies about them. Right? And and, and it's not a function of how they feel, even about another race. It's just a function of upbringing. Because, look, racism is not limited to white people. It's not limited to black people. It's not limited to Asian people or Mexicans or, you know, whatever. Russians, Germans. Because we're different, overwhelmingly, and, and and people who are even wildly accepting of those who are different have things that if they said them out loud, maybe it's not anything that ever goes anywhere beyond your mind, but have things that you think that if you ever said out loud, people would be like, oh, he's a racist. Robert from Oak Grove sends a text, and I think this is a good, I think this is good. He says, I think bias is a better word than racist, and I agree with that. But it's 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 way more common for people to throw out the word racist or racism. Well, so why are we talking about this? If you're ju- if you just jumped in your car, you've entered your work day and you flipped on the radio and you hear me talking about this, you're going, Richard, what the heck are you doing right now? Justin Fields. Who was formerly the number one player in the country? Went to Georgia last year, played in 11 games. Is transferring, and Tom Mars is a, his attorney, and they are going to seek. Um, they're going to seek immediate eligibility for him wherever he transfers, and I think that they're going to get it because the NCAA is a joke, right? I mean, they put rules in place that basically are kind of opening up the floodgates for transfer, but. It's been reported already from Dan Wolken and from Andy Staples and others that an incident that happened at Georgia where now a formal baseball, former baseball player, Adam Sasser, used the N-word in the stands at a football game. Other students heard him. They reported he got kicked off the baseball team. He's gone. All, all, and you know, All those things, that's fine. That should happen. I don't disagree with any of that. But that, that's going to be the event... That is the linchpin for the case that Justin Fields should be able to transfer because he's in a place where he feels unsafe. Spare me the unsafe. Because if one word from a likely intoxicated person creates an entire environment in which you feel unsafe, that this is where I was going with all this is that there's nowhere you can go play football. Like, like there's literally And there's another word that gets thrown out way too much, right? There is literally not another college or university in the United States where you can go and play football. If the fact that on one occasion, one University of Georgia student-athlete, not to your face, but sitting in the stands, used a derogatory word, in your direction, and that creates an environment where you feel unsafe, then there is literally not another college or university in the United States of America, or maybe the world, where you can go and play football and feel safe. Now, let me rewind to the beginning. I'm fine with Justin Fields transferring. But you're not transferring because it's a racist place and you want to go somewhere where you can feel safe and wholesome, you're transferring because you're not going to beat out. You're not going to beat out Jake Fromm. Rob in Hattiesburg. Swack schools wouldn't qualify? Of course they would. I think they would, Rob. I'm telling you, I don't believe that there is a university or a college in the United States, period, where racism doesn't exist. Because racism is not unique to one race. It is not unique to one socioeconomic group. It is not unique to one religion. It exists everywhere. I'm fine, Justin Fields, with you transferring. Good for you. Go find somewhere you can play. You're going to play at a high level. You may very well get drafted in the first round two years from now. But don't sell me on your leaving and you should be allowed to transfer without sitting out because you feel unsafe because Georgia is a racist place. That's it.
3: That's all I got. And Andy, I think, points out a really good thing. If the NCAA is now handing out free transfers, which it seems like they're going to, you probably could have found another reason. I mean, you already have precedent set that if you're misled in recruiting, well, maybe at one point Kirby Smart told him that he'd start this year. Boom. Done. If they're handing out free eligibility, t- tearing down your school in the process, which is now the second time a Tom Mars client is going to try to do this, stooping a little low. And That's it's not the kid's fault because there's, some, there's adults in his life telling him to do this.
2: Oh, yeah.
4: That's what's messed up about this process, though, right? It's like I think most rational people think kids should be able to transfer without losing year of eligibility, but the way the legislation's written now is like they're having to basically find a way to neg their school or like show how the school spited them in order to attain that, which is kind of a messed up deal. Yeah, you're creating an environment
2: where you're setting it up to look bad. You're setting up an environment where you're encouraging people to sling mud.
4: Pretty much, yeah.
3: It's exactly what's happening.
4: Yeah, I mean, it, the 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 one line that sticks out for me from the Ole Miss exodus or whatever was, I was misled. Like, that was kind of the general yeah. term. And whether that was true or not is not my point. But, like, you're having to find some sort of reason to leave instead of just being able to leave because you want to play. Which seems silly.
2: And and it goes back to the you know coaches you know shudder at the thought of open transfer where you can just move you can just go, and, and I understand why they do, but people frequently go back to the idea of well coaches can leave whenever they want to. Your boss decides he doesn't like you anymore. See you. Sorry, I don't care that you recruited these guys. You get a better offer. See you. I'm going to go to a new place. Why? Oh, so I can make more money. Okay. Coach, I'm really not happy here. Well, if you transfer, you're going to have to sit out, and uh, by the way, you're not going to be able to have a scholarship next year while you sit out if we don't approve your transfer. See, it's not right. I mean, say that out loud and make those rules make sense to you. They don't. It's a 100% complete double standard. That the adults in the room can go do whatever they want as far as going from job to job, and they get paid handsomely for it. The kids in the room, eh, it's a different set of rules for them. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm in the Renaissance Bank Studio.